welcome to the School of Laughs podcast, brought to you by SchoolofLaughs.com. Whether you're an aspiring comedian, a part-time pro, or a speaker who wants to become funnier, this is the podcast for you. We'll break down tools, tips, and techniques to help you get bigger, better, and more bookable. And now, here's the show. Welcome to the podcast. Rick Roberts here today. Hope you're doing well, staying safe and wearing a mask and being tracked by the government and washing your hands and being tracked by the government. Hey, whatever it takes, you choose what role you want to play in this recovery and this uh, incredible time that we're going through. It's the most boring thing that could have happened to the planet Earth is a virus that makes you stay home and not be able to speak in front of groups. I mean, I'd rather have a virus that makes you grow a third ear right on your forehead. At least people would listen better and maybe get some more of the jokes that kind of go <laughs> flying by into the back of the room. But it is a different time, and I hope you're dealing with it best you can. Uh, and that includes your mental health, to do something uh, to change the way you feel. Because if you just absorb this news nonstop, you're going to... You're going to be a, a pretty pessimistic and a down person. So I don't want to give you rules to live by, but one thing that's helped me out a lot is to begin exercising. It's my favorite part of the day now. I use that part of the day to just forget about the news and think about getting healthier. Don't want to have what they call a pre-existing condition, although I might have plantar fasciitis, which could be uh, could hamper me in the way that, that I scurry away from the virus when people approach me without a mask like a zombie at the uh, drugstore. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, just be careful out there. I try to do three parts exercise to one part news, and that seems to work for me. Hey, because it is a different time, I thought it was super important to bring on my guest today and share his insights with you. Dan LaFave is my guest, and Dan is a business coach. And when I think about it, comedy, it, we need coaches. We need people to help us out. And I like to bring in people that are outside of comedy because they have a unique perspective and uh, they're not bogged down in what we consider to be normal in the comedy world. They're looking at it from a strictly business and strategic viewpoint. And I think that's important for us to do right now because, quite frankly, if you're going to continue to do business the way you've always done it, you're going to be hurting because uh, we're not doing business the way it used to be done. And it's, it's just no other way to say it. Whether it's virtual meetings online, whether it's conferencing from your home or Zoom meetings, you got to get good at it or you got to look for something else to do. I'm not going to sugarcoat it at all. You can't do business the same way. You've got to get ahead of it. That's why I like Dan LeFebvre. He's going to talk to us about a lot of things today. He's a specialist on taking huge businesses. We're talking six and seven figure businesses and helping them get even bigger by controlling the overwhelming feel that we have from being so disorganized and out of control. And he helps build systems for people so they can have strategic growth. And in fact, if you listen all the way through this podcast at the end, he's going to give you access to a free tool called the Profitable Progression Planner. And this tool is excellent. It helps you kind of chart out uh, your path so you can actually follow a new path. Because the old path, my friend, does not lead to the bank. It leads to the Dollar General and the Goodwill. And uh, we don't want to be living there if we don't have to. A uh, couple other things about Dan you want to know before we jump in here is that he has done a lot. He started out as the son of a butcher. And as a young age, he was dealing with adults in the front of the store, learned customer service from that. Went from you know doing things like that all the way to working for a large telecom company where he handled $25 million projects. 
I mean, that's a lot. Not $25 million $1 projects, projects that included a budget of $25 million. Uh, he's a super smart guy, co-authored a book called Stepping Stones to Success with Deepak Chopra, Jack Canfield, and Dennis Waitley. So you know my guest today is real. So let's get into it. On the back side, I'll talk about some exciting things. Uh, oh, real quickly, thank you to our Patreon supporter for this episode, Glenn Dennehy down there in Texas. Glenn, I hope you're doing well, staying ahead of the virus, rolling like an 18-wheeler and getting where you need to go, buddy. And uh, send me some more jokes. Glenn's part of the Club 52 bunch at his contribution level, and he's also taking the online course. So be like Glenn. Get better in this downtime if your time is still down. I'll talk to you in a little bit. Let's get into it now with Dan LaFave. So I'm on the Zoom call today with Dan LaFave, all the way from near Toronto, Canada. How's it going today, sir? It's going extremely well. A little cool, but definitely nice today. That's great. Toronto, beautiful place. Canada, great place. Can't go visit them right now because we're on lockdown. Uh, but it's, it's cool. You, you say you do a lot of your coaching and things from home. So the business hasn't changed a lot in the sense of using the computer. You're doing that more. Before we get into all what you do and what, what you talk about, tell us a little bit about where you grew up, how you grew up, and what led you into coaching today? Sure. Well, you know what? I grew up uh, probably an hour and a hour or so away from here, but uh, in the north, uh, well, what we refer to as the north. You know, yeah. Anything north of Toronto is north. So, <laughs> but, uh, but uh, yeah, so I grew up there, and uh, you know what? It, it, I mean, I'm telling you, the amount of snow there is insane, but yeah, it's like winter wonderland, but hockey was a big thing for us. Um, but one of the, the, the core things as I was growing up was my dad was a butcher and we had a meat shop. So I had this entrepreneurial start, which I didn't even ask for, but you know, it's sort of like, it's like being voluntold, you know, so I like it. Yeah, yeah, voluntold. <laughs> so you're like, you're in the business, right? You're working, right? You're, you're part of the family. And, and it's because my parents grew up on farms, so they all helped out, right? Like that's just the mentality. But, uh, but just growing up in that business was quite interesting because it was a meat shop, grocery store and customer service, you know, I found that, you know, if somebody my age came in and asked for something, I had a hard time communicating with them because I was just like, I'm used to talk to adults over the counter, right? Oh, right, right. You know, because at a meat shop, you know, you got the counter, you got the meat display, right? And so, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I worked in that business probably, you know, from before I was 10 years old until 18, until that was sold. But um, uh, that was the entrepreneurial start, I, I think, anyway. Um, but then I, you know, I was bit by the entrepreneurial bug. I, I studied geography at university and I probably remember, I don't know, 5% of it. So, right. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, but you know, I was bit by the bug and I started a student works painting business, which was a franchise. And uh, I started that at a university. It wasn't successful. Uh, I mean, I, I didn't even break even, but I didn't, you know, take on that much debt, but it was, it was a very challenging thing for me to do. But, um, but all that, you know, kind of combined, you know, it's those bumps and bruises that help you grow and move forward. Gotcha. And from there, I understand you went on to university and worked for a large telecom company where you handled $25 million projects, even though you hadn't really done anything to that level before, then moved on to working with a real estate group and negotiating condo contracts. And then something in your family life changed, which inadvertently led to working from home and leading to coaching. So tell me about that big change. What was that experience? The whole thing that changed was I took a parental leave. Uh, my second son was being born, 
And they, I found out from HR, I could take a parental leave of 36 weeks, up to 36 weeks with almost 100% pay. It was a quasi, it was organization of the city. So quasi government, um, you know, I operated like a private you know, mm-hmm. business owner, but um, yeah, so the, they, they afford me this 36 weeks and I was like, Hey, I'll take it. I didn't even know what the first time around my first son, I, I took two weeks and worked at home the whole time. Um, so this time I was like, I'm off. Right? Yeah. I'm off. <laughs> yeah. But that's where the awakening happened. I was about to go back to work. And I was like, what am I doing here? I am on a train, hour and a half to work, hour and a half back and all this. I'm, I'm away from my family and I've been with my family for 36 weeks. And I'm so, you know, hooked on that. And uh, so anyway, um, I, I started you know, doing some soul searching. And in the midst of that, I was, I was, you know, kind of praying and asking for guidance. And a friend of mine who's a therapist, she goes, well, what do you want? And I said, uh, well, I want to be inspired, be with my family. And uh, so she said, say that, you know, prayer for that. I said, okay, I'm good with that. So I did. And then uh, after doing that, after that prayer, I get a call the next day and it's my friend, Jamie's father, Ken. And he's, he's probably in his sixties at this point. And, and, you know, he has a successful network marketing business. And I know it because when I was growing up in my twenties, I tested it, I tried it and it didn't work. Um, but you know, as this guy's talking to me, I'm thinking, okay, I prayed for this, you know, inspiration and time with family. And you sent me Ken. <laughs> you <laughs> <laughs> sent me Ken. <laughs> All people, you know, network marketing, which you know I don't really like, right? But uh, you know what I did? I just said, yes. I said, yes. And that was, that kicked it off. And, but you know what? Here's the thing. Six months of grinding and trying to call people and doing things I didn't enjoy uh, led me to learning about and I was just before we started here, I was talking about Exit Realty. The, the owner of that company gave me Ogmandino's book, The Ten Scrolls. Mm. And he said, take this, apply it. So The Ten Scrolls, the way they work is they're about five minutes to read. You read them three times a day, every day for 30 days. So 10 months, you will be done. You'll have read each scroll 30 times. And so I took them on and I started doing that. But it led me to learning about Ogmandino. And then Dave Blanchard, who's the CEO of Augmentino. And when all those things were starting to happen pretty quickly, is that where Bob Proctor came into the picture? A friend of mine, Denise, was studying Bob Proctor's work. And I looked at what she was studying, and I decided to invest in all his programs. So I bought you know, seven or $8,000 worth of courses. I was like, I got to learn. I got to do something. I got to change. I can't, you know, this corporate right. isn't motivating me. It's not insp- inspirational. Uh, I'm disenchanted. So uh, anyway, so I, I uh, what do I do? Um, I, I sign up and I'm taking his courses. Then Denise says, uh, you know, maybe you should talk to his team about coaching. And I'm like, sure. And then I do that. And then within 30 minutes of talking to his sales team, the guy says to me, let's get Bob on the phone. He goes, let me see you. And he's messaging him. And he said, let me see when he's available. And then so he scheduled an appointment two hours later. And I remember that night I was, I was going to a network marketing meeting. So I finished the meeting and then, and, then, and then I go and talk to Bob and he was telling me all this thing, you know, he's like, you can become a coach. We can certify you. You can teach my program. You don't have to create anything. Um, this is how it works. And I remember that day and it was like, you know, my heart was vibrating. I could feel it flowing through my veins and my bones. I was like, okay, I, I need to step this direction. You know, I taught his programs for a while. I co-authored a book with Jack Canfield, Dennis Waitley and, and Deepak Chopra. And uh, I've written my own book. I have another book that's getting ready. I'm getting ready to publish. Um, yeah. So anyway, long, that's a long story. But yeah, I mean, that's that's my journey.
journey. And, and it was all because I just said, I, and I've been doing it ever since, saying yes, 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 yes. Yeah, well, it sounds like all throughout your whole life, you just take, take the opportunities as they come up, learn as you go a little bit. And then it, it, for the majority of the career path, you've found ways to improve other people while you're there, whether it's with sales or growing a department or what have you. And then ultimately coaching is, is what you've been getting from people throughout the entire journey. And it t- kind of turned you into a coach towards the, the Bob Proctor moments where all of a sudden you're like, oh, I guess I do have a way of speaking with people and encouraging people. And he saw that in you and you're like, let's, let's give it a shot. So mm-hmm. isn't it interesting that even though maybe that's been inside you for 20 years, it kind of takes the journey for that stuff to come to the top and for you to be ready for that next step in the journey, right? Yeah, it was just like you were saying, it's, it's coming to the surface, right? It was all of my experiences and I can, I can connect the dots looking back, right? And what do, you, what do you see in people when you coach them that, that they don't see in themselves sometimes? Because, you know, as a coach, you're trying to take somebody to a level they haven't been to before, whether it's a mindset or whether it's uh, financial security or whatever their goals might be. What do people put in front of themselves as objects or, or obstacles that you help move out of the way? What are the, some of the common things people do that is totally up here, they just have to get rid of it? Well, oftentimes it's the belief that they can actually do or have something. And, um, you know, beliefs are really deeply rooted. And, and I'll just give you a bit of the, the, the science behind it. So from zero to seven years old, all of our beliefs, habits, practices are all established in that time period and even our emotions. So, um, and we're, the, the, the technical term is hypnagogic trance. So we're in a trance because we don't have a reasoning. There's a part of our mind, there's faculties of our mind. Reasoning is one of them. So there's, there's actually six faculties, which is reason, perception, will, imagination, reasoning, uh, reasoning, intuition. Uh, I think I got them all. Anyway, but, so yeah, there's, there's all these faculties, but reasoning does not turn on until we're about seven or eight years old. So guess what? We look up to everybody and say, they must be right. You know, if dad yells at everybody and, you know, and he opens his window and screams at them when we're driving, right. got to be normal. <laughs> it <laughs> was be, in my house. <laughs> must be good. You know, so I will, do, I, I will do that too, right? So, you know, what do I do when I get older? I open the window and scream at people. And uh, I might wonder one day, why am I doing that? So, oh, yeah, my dad. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, so that's the thing. So we are a reflection of our parents, good, bad, or indifferent. What it doesn't matter. That's what they knew. That's the best they could give us. And so we become a reflection of that. And then, so what I see in people is that they have these beliefs, these patterns of habit, these practices that they're doing, and the self-talk. And guess what I have to do? I have to help them create a new story because they have a story playing in their mind that they don't even recognize because it's back there in that hard drive, that subconscious mm-hmm. mind. And guess what? That hard drive runs 96 to 98% of our lives. You know? It not only keeps our heart beating, and our blood flowing and all the, you know, all the, you know, systems running, but it also keeps us safe and sometimes so safe that we don't step forward and do things that are a little risky. Mm-hmm. And, um, so I'm, I'm the guy who helps them take risk, right. Uh, you know, subtly <laughs> just right. to figure out wh- what, what can you do that, you know, you feel all right doing right. But then later on they realize like, Oh man, I'm taking bigger, way bigger risks than I was three months ago. So uh, do, you, do you want me, I can share a story about a client of mine, you know, the, the kind of shift that he had, if that. Uh, yeah, I'd love to see somebody go from one spot to the other and, and what made the difference for them to get there. 
Sure. So, so Brad came to me because he and his brother and his father run an auto detailing business. And they were trying to break a million dollars and they had been at, uh, you know, I don't know, six, seven hundred thousand dollars for many, many months or years. And um, so 13 years in business. And so the, he came to me with this objective. And I said, fine, great. But from the outset, I always ask these questions. I ask, how's your health? One out of 10. And how are your relationships? So then I have a gauge for how the three fundamentals in life, you know, health, fitness, uh, health and fitness and relationships and business, right? Uh, I know they want to get the money, but I know there's other things that are involved. Right. So, um, so we got to work. Uh, first thing we did was we created a snapshot of his current company, the, the current organization, you know, do an org chart of that. And I said, let's make a three-year one. And then uh, uh, I said, uh, uh, who, who that you have in your company right now isn't here in three years. <laughs> and he yeah. said, these two people. <laughs> but then that's where the, you know, <laughs> the the, <laughs> the grinder hit right I'm like oh i gotta fire people the relationships the mm -hmm. codependency the habits the comfort you know uh, because it's uncomfortable right um so yeah so and he's like these two people and i said okay let's get to work and then and he's like well how do we do this and, and we crafted it and we said okay what don't you like about them what things do they do that you don't like and the complaining complaining this and that or you know the bad habits whatever crafted that and I said okay now we'll create a model for the for, you know the opposite of that so we did that and one person got a real estate license and left and the other person he decided to test them he had a conversation with them they committed to changing and then I reminded him I said Brad how people do anything is how they do everything so if he's going to change and it's going to be permanent change it's going to be a lot of work on his part but don't expect a whole lot right <laughs> and within three or four weeks he said he's the same I'm letting him go. But then he hired one person that took both positions. Oh, wow. Yeah. And then we also found a stream of revenue because this is auto detailing, $100, $150 a vehicle. You know, they have a large volume because they deal with dealerships. But we found, uh, you know, one and started expanding on it, which is biohazards. So if a vehicle has been used, you know, that has any, you know, anything you know blood or anything like that or, or needles or whatever so specialty cleaning equipment and everything that's about a seven thousand dollar job <laughs> so can you imagine how many cars you have to clean right. to get seven thousand versus one right yeah, yeah. so you know do 10 of those you, you, they've done seventy thousand dollars um so anyway we found these streams but here's what we also did subtly i was working on his nutrition his morning uh, morning practice like a morning ritual is so so important uh, mine has grown. It's about two and a half hours. So I get up at six 30 and I start my two and a half hour ritual every morning. And, um, you know, n you don't have to do that, but if you have at least a ritual or practice, you get yourself set up mentally, physically, emotionally for the day, 15, 20, 30 minutes. So we started doing that. And then when I went to see him after we had finished working together, he showed me he goes i gotta show you something and he showed me a before picture and an after picture of himself with his shirt off i'm like well, what's this guy doing <laughs> so because i don't remember what he looked like you know, right. without clothes on like <laughs> right so but he says i took off 36 pounds and i was like whoa now that's gold right because now he has more energy more and he told me he says i have more energy than i haven't had had in years right you know i'm so energetic uh and and then he told me about this january when it's supposed to be slow in business he says busiest january in 13 years right busiest january ever uh 
36 pounds, more energetic, taking more time out for his family, uh, all things tuned in. And, and the reason being is because my, my skill set is also helping rearrange mental furniture. So his mental mindset and the way he practiced and did things and looked at things needed to be shifted slightly. And I do it subtly because you can never change a belief, a habit, or a practice without being subtle because the moment you try to do it, it causes a lot of anxiety internally and externally because if you try doing something that involves your family, guess what? They go against you because mm-hmm. they have to change. They're like, you're going to do what? I, I'm used to that. You know, like, you know, you're going to stop doing this. No way. You're my partner. <laughs> you're my right. partner that stays up till midnight. <laughs> like, no, I got to go to bed. I'm getting up at four. <laughs> right. <laughs> hey, this is Rick Roberts. Just wanted to take a second to announce the new Master Laughter class is available online. First time ever. And for the next 30 days, there's an early bird price special to get you $100 off the class. So you can get in there and start experiencing the fun of adding comedy to your content. From a learning perspective, he was masterful at showing the content, helping us apply it. I learned how to develop humor from my speaking topics, which now is going to make me more engaging. It's going to make the audience more engaging. And it's also going to make me memorable because they're going to remember what we discussed and talked. He does a great job in giving specific how-tos. This is the formula. This is how you do it. To be able to look at comedy and then apply it to our industry was the game changer for me. And it's classes like Rick's that teach you the skills you need to improve yourself as a speaker to make it look even that much better. Call Rick. Make sure you're getting his next master laugh class for speakers and trainers. It's a no-brainer. You're going to win. So definitely take it. So, yeah, there is a lot that goes along with the change. It's not just you. It's everybody that's in your vicinity and everybody that you touch throughout the day. They're going to notice something's going on with you. They, they, may not, they may notice that they don't get to spend as much time with you or maybe they're spending more time with you because of the changes. There's a lot of dynamics that come into play. But it was one of those things where, like you say, they were hitting $650,000 a year, year after year. They just didn't know how to get past that. And it was getting rid of some stuff and then bringing in the right people. And then he changed himself, which is pretty key to everything because nobody mm-hmm. would change. You know, if, if somebody told me I had to do all the changing and they weren't changing at all, then I feel like I'd be doing all the work for them. But to see the person who encouraged change to go through that process, you know, that's a total buy-in from them. And even though those two mm-hmm. employees didn't stick around, he attracted somebody to the company that was more like-minded and pr- proved to do two jobs in one. So it's a mm-hmm. big monumental shift, but like you say, small changes, you know, at, at first to get to the big point. So when you yes. coach most people, do you find that they can't even think towards the ultimate goal yet? You have to move them towards smaller ones just to get them in the habits that are necessary to get to the bigger one. Cause if you, if you put out the big goal first, they might think, well, that's just, that's out of the question and then back off completely. So is it baby steps or is the big goal always there along the way? Well, we always craft the bigger goal because it has to be a stretch. Otherwise, it's doable and it's not going to be uncomfortable. And change is uncomfortable. <laughs> like there's, there's no other way about it. Change is going to be uncomfortable and it has to be. Uh, in fact, there's a, a system or a cycle called the emotional cycle of change developed in the 1970s. It's not widely known, but it is so on uh, on point because you know, there's a point in the, in the emotional cycle of change where you're like down in the valley and it's called the valley of despair. And it's like, you can either 
go back to where you came from. If habits pull you back, and I call it habit gravity. So picture you're climbing the mountain, you got habit gravity pulling you back down saying, hey, Rick, come back down here to the base camp. You know, we got some hot cocoa and a fire and it's nice and comfortable. Just come here, right? But then you need this velocity. You need the strength to move up and, and often the guide. And that's where coaching comes in or mentorship. I like the concept of habit gravity because we've all been through that. We've all stepped towards a new goal sometime in our life and kind of our old habits take charge and pull us right back down, whether it's trying to get healthy or quit a bad habit. It's just tricky, right? So I'm sure with any massive change out there, there's subtle change and small steps that people take. What are some things you see early in the process that people give up on too quickly before moving further down that path? Well, one of the greatest ones, and I remember Napoleon Hill's work, and I studied that book. I read it multiple times, I think about 60 times. So, uh, But one of the things he said is the biggest problems in the world, and I see it, is that people are concerned about what other people will think. Even people they don't talk to on a regular basis, <laughs> which is really, that's bizarre in itself, right? So, but, you know, so if, if they, you know, are talking about what they're doing or conveying what they, they their aspirations right and then other people and oftentimes other people talk down other people's potential and and it's not because they don't want them to succeed it's because their inner uh, relevance and perception of things don't match with what they're doing i want to break a million dollars you're like yeah well how are you going to do that what are you going to sell you know like you got to sell a lot of things you know they're they're going to talk you out of it so that idea that, you know, I, I'm concerned about what other people will think stops most people. I don't know what happened to me. Maybe it was the car accident I was in when I was seven. I was in a coma for three days. I don't have that in me. I, I don't care what people think. <laughs> you know, I don't know. Yeah, maybe it was jolted out of me. But I just, you know, I mean, I, I care, like, compassionately. But I, I don't, and I don't do any harm against others. But I don't care what other people think. I just go and do is best and what makes sense. And I'm with you on that. I don't necessarily care what people think of me. I think you go through phases of self-worth throughout your life. Right now I'm at peace with my journey and in touch with my purpose. And that journey, you know, it might change and I'll adapt, but I know my purpose and that's to serve others. And that's fulfilling. So uh, on that same note, let me ask you about something I saw you mention in a YouTube video a while back about a plastic surgeon who said he changed people's outward appearance and they thought that was going to do the trick for him. But they didn't really have a drastic life change because they didn't change their mindset on the inside. That's, that's very telling, isn't it? Yeah, well, the inner world equals the outer world. Unfortunately, that's the nature of life. And, and, and even same as uh, the outer world in a way, too. Our environment creates who we are on the inside. And if you want to go to the deeper, deeper, like the real deep levels, it's about our identity and what's relevant to us. So, you know, somebody who has super success and all sorts of you know, maybe money and, and material wealth, they didn't have it at the beginning. They had to grow into it incrementally. You know, it doesn't, you know, if somebody wins money, most of them lose it. Why? Because they don't know what to do with it or how to manage it. They haven't grown into it. They don't even know how to appreciate it. Um, so they go and blow it. And next thing you know, they're, you know, they had 40 million. Now they're, you know, a million in debt so, right. or more, you know, but that that's the thing. So, um, yeah, the, so the, the, the method is that, you have to slowly, you know, create a new identity. And, and I have a little fun practice. So people that have really difficult histories and childhoods and so on, I, I ask them if they're a creative mind. And I say, you know, do you know Lady Gaga? Do you know Bono? Do you know anybody who has created a 
different versions of themselves. I said, well, let's, why don't we just create a new character of yourself? You could be that character. You don't have to be yourself and change yourself. That might be even harder. Right. Right. So, right yeah. <laughs> and they, you know, that's a great approach to uh, just getting people to think outside the box a little bit like that. Um, Dana Carvey, one of my favorite comedians, some people, somebody asked him once, you know, uh, I'm afraid, um, I'm afraid to do comedy. You know, what advice would you have? And he said, why don't you just do an impression of a more relaxed you? <laughs> yeah, there you go. And I'm like, that's, yeah. that's it. You just got to step outside of it a little bit and reframe it. And then w- once, if the frame is solid, you start filling that frame out. You start becoming that new person, that new version of you and yeah. things start taking off from there. Yeah. Well, just, uh, you know, I'll, I'll mention something I watched late, uh, recently is the, uh, uh, the movie about Elton John, his whole history, right? So, you know, but I didn't know it was Elton Hercules John, right? So he had this impression that he was Herculean that I didn't know about, right? But you could see that come out in his music, right? When he plays that piano, he's powerful. You know, the thing is, you can create a different version of yourself without having to go against all this history because that is rooted in beliefs and habits and practice and self-doubt. Self is, self-worth is one of the like, especially for women, it's one of the greatest roadblocks, without question, the, the self-worth. Because if you, if you water everything down, once you, once you start digging into the issue, it usually comes down to, I'm not worthy to, mm-hmm. to receive it. You know, it's like, hey, can I sell a $20,000 program? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> how, can, how can I do that, right? Like, right. who's going to pay that? Or, you know, <laughs> what value could I provide, right? I've never thought about that, right? It's, it's very... And it's scary. It creates a lot of anxiety. Yeah. A lot of that self-worth too. I mean, like you say, those first seven years where you're being molded, if, if that's not poured into somebody, you know, mm-hmm. and then especially, and you're a father too, you've got three, three sons. So you know the importance of encouragement. I'd like just to touch on that for a second, because I think a lot of people, we can see in other people what they can't see in themselves. Sometimes it's not even the person himself. It's the message they have. And I, I hate to see that that message doesn't get enough exposure or the right response that it deserves. So that's kind of why I like to coach people up with uh, ways to, to make their speeches and their content funnier so it's more engaging. But what can people do from a simple encouragement point of view to help others around them to maybe achieve some of the stuff they don't see themselves doing in the first place? From an encouragement standpoint, okay. I, I just want to reflect something back to you, by the way, and it was said to me, and I'll say it to you now. A friend of mine said to me, so much wisdom needs an outlet. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, and I was like, you are right, man. <laughs> so, so, so much wisdom needs an outlet. So yeah, you just need to find the outlet, right? So uh, from an encouragement standpoint, um, you know, w- what I like to do is I like to uh, just reflect on other people in the world who have done what they are trying to do. And so then, I, you know, just showing them that alone gets them thinking, well, heck, <laughs> if that guy started off, you know, in his garage, <laughs> maybe, maybe I'm not so bad after all. I've got, I got a place already. I have all this team and I have all, you know, these systems, right? So, you know, I think from that standpoint, that's one thing, but then I'm the shortcut to success coach for a reason. So I end up invariably showing them easy and quick ways to get things done. And the other thing that I teach my clients is this life isn't, isn't happening to us. It's responding. So I teach them to look at their world as a reflection of them. Well, I appreciate the reminder that we happen to the world. You know, reacting to it isn't a plan. It's just a response. And for those listening to this episode, Dan, I understand you have a handy planning tool that's going to help us take the first step in happening to the world. Can you tell us about that tool? 
Certainly. Yes. Uh, the, the tool I'm giving you, and by the way, this is golden. I mean, I'm using with clients that have, you know, you could say they have substantial businesses, you know, they're doing hundreds of thousands of dollars, lots of volume clients. So it is a uh, profitable progression planner. So this is, and if you're not technically a client, it's pretty easy to use anyway, but that this planner, and I'm giving you exactly how to use it, it's plug and play. So you put your dates in, you put your goals in, and then you put the actions you're going to take, and then you measure them. And that's the essence of it. And by the way, this is the book, The 12 Week Year, which has been, you know, it's been spread around the world. It's a number one bestseller, plus it's hot in corporations. It's that book turned into a planner. So you don't have to study the book. I did all the heavy lifting. <laughs> but yeah, this, this, this planner, so it, it's a profitable progression planner, and it's going to help you take steps, incremental steps towards your goals and measure your performance. And I, I tell you exactly how to use it. Uh, where they can grab that as well is uh, at danlefave.com forward slash profitable planner. And, uh, and it's yours. I'll, I'll tell you, I didn't create it. I took an original form and I've had great people in my lives that, you know, Excel and everything and they, right, <laughs> they right. modified it. So it's all plug and play. So they've taken all the, all the technicality out of it and made it simple for me. Thank you. <laughs> so then everybody else who gets it here can do the same. They just plug their details in and follow the process. Three months from now, six months from now, you look back and you're like, wow, my life is totally different because I just took these little actions. And you know. That's great. Well, thank you again, Dan. It's been a lot of fun. And again, everybody check out danlefave.com. I'll link to all the things he talked about in the show notes. I'll give you a link to the tool he just talked about. And you can go out and grab that. Dan, thanks again for your time this morning. Thanks for the tool. And enjoy the great day up there in the great white north, my friend. Thank you. You as well, Rick. Hope you enjoyed that conversation with Dan LaFave. Boy, you can just tell from listening to him, he's got a heart of a teacher, likes to see people succeed, and I'm happy our paths crossed and we got to speak. Uh, he is giving you access to this great profitable progression planner. You can go to Dan LaFave, it's L-E-F-A-V-E dot com forward slash profitable planner. Do that and you'll get access to this tool that will, you know, it'll spread out over a few months to help you get focused have a target, have a goal, and hopefully reach it if you do the work. And it is all about doing the work. You have to change your mindset, change your story if it's not going the right direction. If you want to get somewhere different, have a different path. And this tool will help you do that. Again, you go to danlefave.com forward slash profitable planner. You can learn more about Dan at danlefave.com. Like to read a quick iTunes review. Thanks for the encouragement. Thanks for listening to the podcast out there. This is uh, about episode 216 from Laffy Yaffy that we got here on the uh, 28th of May. The review says, as a currently out of work full-time comedian, I enjoyed getting the episode Rick put together, interviewing people around the globe regarding the state of comedy in their countries. Certainly highlighted the fact that we are in a seismic industry shift that may never return to BC before COVID norms. Thanks, Rick. Well, thank you, Laffy Yaffy. And he's referring to episode 216, where I talked to people from five different countries about the effect of the, you know, the pandemic and what it's doing to the comedy scene there. And it's interesting and enlightening to get that information from around the globe because you can get so dialed into your local scene, you forget sometimes that this is a global situation and people are all affected differently, yet sometimes in the same way. So thanks again, Laffy Yaffy, for the review. Thanks for listening to episode 216. If you haven't checked that one out, go back, listen to it if you can. 
Hey, you heard in the middle there, the Master Laughter class is online, and I've extended the early bird pricing due to this COVID-19 pandemic. I think more people uh, could benefit from this course, so instead of you know, adjusting it accordingly to the original price, you can still save $100 for the next 30 days for the entire month of June. If you go to masterlaughterclass.com, you'll see all the information there. I click on the second page to see how you can get registered. And if you have any questions, give me a shout. Thanks to uh, the people that are taking the Master Laughter Class online right now. It's great to see the progress. It's a fun uh, class uh, for me to facilitate, for me to coach. And, you know, there's so much in that class that if you're a speaker or a comedian and you feel you've got some time and you know you need to get a little bit better, this is the opportunity for you. Do it now while you've got some time. All right, masterlaughterclass.com for that, schooloflast.com for everything else. Thanks again to our Patreon supporter, Glenn Dennehy, out there in Texas. Y'all take care. God bless. Stay safe. Wear a mask if you want. Don't if you don't. But don't make fun of the people that don't if you don't, because they did. Whatever that means. Get out there. I mean, I don't know how your COVID-19 testing is going in your area, but I'm kind of out in the county. I'm not sure ours is really accurate. It was multiple choice. So questioning the validity of some of the testing and some of the results and some of the stats. Take care, everybody. Stay safe. Stay funny. Thanks for listening to the School of Laughs podcast. If you'd like to hear more School of Laughs podcasts, you can find them on iTunes and Stitcher.com. And don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. For information on upcoming live and online classes, visit schooloflaughs.com. Until next time, stay tuned, stay focused, and stay funny.